start using cutting-edge warp speed 5G technology with your cell phone. Let me tell you about my friends at MobileMobile.io. They have an ultra-fast 4G LTE and 5G network that covers 99% of Americans. So they've got you covered everywhere. Think about it for a moment. You have the opportunity to take a test drive for 10 days with unlimited talk, text, and premium data. What is premium data? Premium data is an allotment of a cellular data that you receive from a higher priority on the network. You won't get throttled like you will with some of those, well, non-brand service providers. To find out more information, all you have to do is go to mobilemobile.io. That's mobilemobile.io to start your 10-day free trial. Well, hello and welcome to Safety FM. This is Jay Allen. My first question for you today. Have you heard about the Safety Man movement? If you haven't, let's learn more here today on Safety FM. Broadcasting live from the Safety FM studios in Orlando, Florida. Here is your host, Dr. Jay Allen on Safety FM. This episode of the broadcast and the podcast is brought to you by Safety Focus Moment. They're consultants that want to help you get the safety culture you've been looking for. For more information, go to safetyfocusmoment.com. Well, hello and welcome to Safety FM. Hopefully you're off to a fantastic week already. I know today is already Tuesday, so hopefully everything is going quite fantastic for you. Before we get into our conversation with Terry D. Gray today, let's cover some information real quick. Have you taken the opportunity to come out to safetyfm.com? Come out there, take a listen to what we have to offer. There are several shows streaming on our web broadcast, and we have up to two radio stations at the moment. If you get the chance, come out there, take a listen to Todd Conklin's pre-accident investigation, the Accidental Safety Pro with Jill James, Crucial Talks with Mike Saddam, the Safety Consultant Podcast with Sheldon Primus, and then we have a show that runs Monday through Friday at noon, and that is the Rated R Safety Show. And of course, always the flagship show that you get to listen to on Tuesdays with the long version that we do, you and I here, or on Fridays, you get to listen to the mini version. So come out there, take a listen to what we have to offer. Of course, we're always streaming 24-7 at safetyfm.com and at safetyfm.live. So today I have the great opportunity to speak with Terry D. Gray. Now, Terry's going to talk about his safety man movement, and I think that it's going to be very exciting for you to take a listen to this. So Terry D. Gray works as a pipe fitter for the sole provider of aircraft carriers for the U.S. Navy and the largest industrial employer in Virginia. Terry has been a pipe fitter for 14 years with several of those years holding multiple leadership roles for safety, nonprofit, churches, and industrial companies. Terry has become a powerful voice in the safety community with his safety man movement efforts. Working hands on the industrial field, he passionately believes in ownership and sharing the burden when it comes to safety. As a result of his efforts and passion, Terry has been recognized and honored with several awards, his efforts to change the culture of safety worldwide. Please welcome to our show, Terry D. Gray.
You are listening to a renowned safety expert, Dr. Jay Allen, on Safety FM. Changing safety cultures, one broadcast and one podcast at a time. Join the fun on social media and find us on Facebook at Safety FM. So let me just ask the question, because I always like to start off with this. How did you get involved with this whole thing? How did the whole safety thing start with you? Well, it's funny, actually, when I very, the very first time I got involved with doing anything that was safety was at my job where um, we have a, a, a VPP um, site. And part of that, there has to be a safety team established among the craftsmen. And so we have what we call safety task teams where I work. And a friend of mine was talking to me and, you know, I was just uh, I'm a pipe fitter. So I was just new to um, new to the job site and was just, just trying to be as active and involved as I could. And a friend of me of mine said, hey, man, you should join the task team. And when I heard that, I was like, yeah, that'd be a, a good resume builder. And I just want to do something and can go to some meetings. So <laughs> so initially I just started dealing in safety just as a um, thing to do to add to, hey, this is what I've done um, because I was I had the idea of being a foreman at the time um, and I wanted to make sure that I was able to display my ability to lead or uh, my willingness to um, participate and be engaged so that's kind of where that where it all started was just at a simple invite to hey you want to be a part of the task team and that was back so funny how things funny how things funny how things change in that particular regards right because all of a sudden you're going from pipe fitting to all of a sudden someone's asking you to do this and how does this whole process go because now you're known as part of the safety man movement so how does this whole thing start so you start going into this meeting as you're going to try to build in your resume and what happens next. So when I get to the the meeting, um, I didn't really know what was going on. I didn't know what the expectations was of me. It was, it was a little rough, um, but I was willing to give my input. And so at that point, when I did, they saw that I was interested or at least um, showing interest. Uh, at one point, they had rotated um, the leader to another person and that leader asked me to be a co-leader. So I was a co-leader with them. And then at one point, our supervision came to me and said, hey, we want you to be the lead. I was like, okay. And so I started um, being the leader of the task team um, back in 2000 and maybe 13, uh, I was leading it. And the whole safety man movement thing started was really crazy i was i was at work one day and people knew i was on the task team and they knew i was the leader and so this one guy calls me over and says hey mr gray come here man i gotta show you something and so i go over to him and he shows me this metal tag it's like about the size of a business card but it's a metal tag and it's on a metal floor and metal and metal is very slippery so he looks at this small metal card size tag and says hey man look somebody can slip on this car and i was like yeah why you didn't pick it up he said man i would but that ain't my job I was like wow he was messing with me at the time but what I understood is that people really think like that and um, I was like man I need to change the way that these people think because they 
one, seriously, I was tired of just being called a safety man. I was like, why do they keep calling me the safety man as if safety isn't all of our responsibility? And so I made up in my mind, I was like, all right, so I'm going to just change the way that these people um, perceive safety and make it so obvious that we all are the safety men and women that they can no longer call me that. Like you all go in the police station and you'll see a police officer be like, hey, policeman. No, everybody already knows that we are a part of this thing. So no one called you policeman or, you know, maybe out of respect, hey, lieutenant, this, that, and the other. But he don't say, hey, police lieutenant, you know, <laughs> but they already knew that they are that. Or teachers already know that we are all teachers. So they don't say, hey, teacher, teacher, great. How you doing? And so that same concept was like, hey, I don't want you to say, hey, safety man. We are all safety men. So the movement started to try to change people's perspective to see that the safety man is no longer one individual, but many individuals that are one, which is my main line that I try to share with people. And as you're, as you're trying to incorporate that and you start having these discussions with people all of a sudden that it's not just safety as a particular person or individual, but it becomes more along the lines of, hey, it's everyone who's involved inside of the organization. How does the mindset start to change? Because you're, you're talking about going from one standpoint to another, and that's not an overnight thing, even though a lot of people, when they probably look back at you and go, oh, yeah, he did it overnight. It's not an overnight occurrence. How did you get it to change? Um, so it was a process it is still in process. It isn't necessarily that it is all changed or all fixed and all better right now, but it is the commitment to um, hanging in there to make um, intentional efforts to change the way that people think. So people don't, I mean, it's when I started, when I was trying to, I was, I had to think for myself, what would make me change the way that I perceive something? And the first thing that I thought about is that I have to actually care about it. So I had in my mind, I was like, okay, so I, I already do teaching on a, uh, I have a teaching type of mindset from my ministry experience. And so I was like, okay, so if I wanted to share this information, I have to be able to teach it. So I have to create a format that I can share the information, but the information has to be something that actually means something. And so I was like, if I was wanting to change my mind about something and to do it willingly, I had to actually care about it. And so I was like, all right, so I want to make sure that I'm telling people to care for people. You have to care. You have to see that you have a foot in the game. You have a um, role to play. And I had I wanted to be able to convey that information um, to people. And so. Um, when I, the very first time I, we, we tried to talk about it, we, you know, I was, I was brainstorming and I was sharing with a friend of mine, um, about, I was like, all right, so I want people to care. And it started with the word empathizing, which was caring, which is knowing, <clears throat> understanding what people go through without compromising what they need to do. So I understand that, Hey, it may be hot outside or maybe this, that, and the other, but there are still rules and things in place that we need to follow. I can relate to what you're saying, but we still have to do it right for safety purposes type of thing. Um, so really has been communicating, trying to change the way that people think about it first, because I, and showing them that I'm willing to do something first before any type of expectation is in return. It's really a relationship building type of process where if you if you wanted someone to care for you, if you wanted someone to buy into what you were trying to sell them, if you're trying to 
get a girlfriend or get somebody like that. You have to be willing to invest something or put yourself on the line um, to display to that person that I really mean what I say. And so I was at least willing to try to share the information about, hey, here's who I am. Here's some information about me. And I um, put together a whole display and that we used at a safety expo that we do each year. And I showed the information um, and says, hey, we are all a part of this family. You have a part to play. And it was really trying to change their pers perspective and their perception of what safety was. And it really, they I feel like they needed to understand that it's outside. It's not just procedures and policies, but it's really like a lifestyle type of thing, you know? So when you make a couple different references there, you did make a reference about that you used to be in the ministry or based on some of the ministry stuff that you've done. Do you ever feel like this is more like you being a safety evangelist when it's all said and done? I, you know, it's it's crazy because I I know that I'm in a industrial um, capacity, um, but I can't escape my ministry evangelistic type of calling I feel that I have on my life. So um, I always tell and I share with people on my Facebook page that my mission is saving souls and saving lives, you know, and so all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. So so there's. That's absolutely where my care for the people comes from, for, for the most part. You know, I understanding people have different, almost everything happening in their lives. We can be in the same room, hearing the same story, but getting two totally different um, perceptions of what is being said. You know, it's like we, we're in the same world, but all in different worlds. And understanding that we are all in these different worlds puts you in a place where you have to be... Um, a little bit more lenient, a little bit less to move and react. You're more of a observant type of, hey, okay, this is what happened. What and you know, safety really goes into that. You know, what's the root cause? You know, they talk about the. It's kind of like inspecting people. You know, but it's from a life perspective, not necessarily a um, accident or incident perspective. But it's like, hey, why did this person just cut me off in the street? Is there an emergency happening in his car? Did he have to get somewhere? Or is he just angry because he just got out of an argument? Or maybe he was just fired. So my response has to be um, in perspective to what may be. And I can't assume anything, you know. And so, yes, that the whole thing is about, you know, caring for people, creating that relationship. And ultimately, I feel like that that builds to the engagement and that affects the engagement and we all know that engagement is the main thing that um drives the results the metrics that people look for you know the more engaged people are um, the higher the safety the better the safety the better the pro productivity so let me ask you a strange question yeah. there in regards of when you're taking a look at these different aspects of safety do you feel that it's actually kind of the same approach with different style of religions and when i say that and i'm talking about the people have different belief systems, depending on who your target audience is at the time, where you might go in and some people might believe in behavior-based safety. They might believe in lean and they have like these different aspects. So if you're, do you see a similarity there? Yes. Yes. You, you kind of hesitated at that. So it's kind of like yes and no, or how do you feel? Um, I, I feel like um, there is, there are principles that apply regardless of the faith or regardless of what you believe. 
there are certain things that um, are true across the board. You know, they say truth is always the same. Um, priorities and things like that. Facts change, you know, but um, certain things are just true. Like you plant a seed, you're going to get a whatever seed you planted. Of course, you got to do all the uh, cultivating of it, but you're not going to plant an orange and get an apple. There are just certain principles I feel that exist regardless of what you believe. And one of those things that I feel like regardless of what you believe is that people matter. <laughs> people are important and we have to be willing to care for people with the understanding that we don't understand people all the time. Um, so all of those things are excellent. And for me, just the whole safety man movement, it's not a... Um, necessarily a system that you implement but it's more of a way of thinking and approaching a mindset when actually interacting with anything that you're already doing okay so before before we get into that of the safety man movement i have a question then so what is the basis of your foundation of safety what are well, if you have to say that it's based around a certain system, that there has to be some strength behind it. And I know a lot of people like to give the answer of, well, I believe in a little bit of everything, and that's perfectly fine to say. But there has to be something that's kind of like the fundamentals that the thing was built off of. So what would you say would be the fundamentals where it started? I've, I don't know if it's going to answer your question, but I, I saw a great speaker. You may have heard him. I'm pretty sure you have. Charlie Moorcraft. And he came... And I heard a story and those stories are always impactful. And when I heard him, I was like, how can I impact people without getting hurt? How can I develop this passion and concern for my well-being without having to deal with a tragic injury to be able to relay that information? And the fact that I'm able to walk out of that room without that story was motivation to be able to tell people, hey, you can get it now before it gets you. I didn't want what I always remember is his inability to interact with his kids when they were at the water park. And I was like, man, you know, I love my kids. So and I love to play. I'm a very playful person. And when they come home, are they just ready to jump on me and start playing? And that was kind of a trigger where it's like, man, we, we, we were, I was already part, you know, being part of the safety task team and the whole company has goals. Hey, safety first. Um, we bring in accidents down. Everybody says zero and things like that. We don't want anything, but how do we, how do we get people to actually respond to that type of thing? And they have to care about something. And I was like, man, I really care about my family and I do not want to have to experience these, um, tragedies to have this passion or to have this respect for the fact that anything could happen to me at any moment and change my life so I can do what I can do um, to make sure that I make it back to my families and so that kind of pushed the whole idea of how can I make people care and it was like oh well you you have something to live for you have something that you are uh, um, connected to something that you like something that you um, are passionate and we'll be back right after this on Safety FM. Enjoy the best safety shows on the planet on safetyfm.com. It is no secret that most successful organization and professionals are data-driven. 
As the volume of data that businesses have access to increases, they need more efficient ways to turn the data into actionable insight. Fortunately, iDashboard offers a comprehensive business intelligence solutions to help you with data aggregation, preparation, analysis, visualization, and reporting. With the iDashboard's Data Hub, you can blend data from multiple sources to get a comprehensive view of related data. Then the intuitive dashboard builder gives anyone the freedom to create and design dashboards and no programming experience is required. It's no wonder why companies like Lockheed Martin, Michigan Humane Society, and Navy Federal Credit Union trust iDashboards to provide them with the data they need to make the most informed decision for their business. Be sure to visit iDashboards.com forward slash safety to learn more. That's iDashboard.com forward slash safety. Make sure that you tell them that Jay Allen sent you. Jay Allen. Jay Allen on Safety FM. And we're back with more here on Safety FM. Well, I mean, and I, don't get me wrong. Charles, Charles Moorcraft's story is a very important story. But I also think that it actually has what I call a, an emotional response for outside of him. So when you hear the story the first time, people have really focused on it and they go, okay, what can we do to make it correct inside of our organization? And then you use the term while you're giving the description of safety first. And I, you know, nobody's ever going to say safety last. I mean, let's just be realistic. <laughs> but what does really safety first mean? Because does it mean if we stop making money, we're going to continue to focus on safety? I don't think that it will. I mean, and I think that it's a great term for people to, to use, but I don't think that it brings a lot of value to an organization in regards of actually saying it. Now, that's my opinion, because the thing is, if we start looking at safety as a value and not something where we're saying, hey, it's a priority, there's a different shift. Right. And the reason that I say that is because I had a conversation with Scott Giller many, many moons ago, and he goes, when you wake up every morning, regardless of you actually being late, you're going to take time to put on your clothes because that is a value to you. If it was a priority, you might skip out on doing that. So when people say safety first, I kind of struggle a little bit. And it's not that I want to sit around and go, oh, words are so important in regards to how they're said. But I look at it and I go, how do you do the shift? And then I know that we were having the conversation of what was the basis of what you do and how you started the safety man movement. So when you, I know you talked about the VPPA portion or the VPP portion. So as you look at it, do you feel that it was lean heavy or do you feel that it was more like behavior-based safety or how do you look at it? For me personally? Yeah, for you personally. One, uh, for one, I'm, I'm not a safety professional and I, I don't know in our organization, we, or at least in my location that we are heavy lean um, promoting so I, I'm not, I'm not like super informed on lean, um, but um, behavioral based, we understand uh, that it is people's behaviors that um, attribute to a, a lot of things that go on. Um, but we are with that. I, I think behavior basis is a higher um, thing on my radar I guess um, where it would be why do we behave the way that we behave what what is what is happening and, and that I guess that goes back to um, how I respond to that person who drives crazy on the interstate or whatever it's like what is driving those behaviors and and I think it is something that is really 
getting more and more attention, especially now and in September, uh, with it being a awareness month uh, for mental illness. You know, those things absolutely affect how you behave, you know, whatever you're dealing with um, on that type of scale. So if I had to favor towards something, I think it would be behavior um, within our within my location. I, we our engagement is based on, OK, you see a problem. Are you able to fix the problem? Can you are you willing to fix that problem? Or are you just going to go to somebody else about that problem? Like, what are you personally doing? How do you take ownership outside of everything that everybody else says and everybody say you should do? What is your personal commitment and ownership and responsibility in whatever you are coming across? If you see like the metal tag that the guy saw on the ground, okay, you know it's a problem, but what is your level of commitment or ownership? Are, are you just um, trying to give me a hard time or do you really care about the people around you? And if so, why wouldn't you pick it up? Um, well, I mean, there's, and those are interesting questions that you propose to people. And I mean, and I know that you're referencing that you're not a safety professional, but I think you're kind of cutting yourself short at the <laughs> same time, too, as you, as you say that. But I always look at it that when you sign to go into some organizations is there's kind of some weird things that occur. And I'm talking about across the board, not pinpointing your organization or anything to that extent. But here's how I kind of see how things have been done in the past. You go into an organization, you have somebody who's training you and they go, this is how I'm supposed to train you but this is how we really do it. And I call that the black line, blue line. You have somebody kind of sit there for a period of time and they write down a script and say, this is what we're supposed to do. And the blue line is actually how the workers are doing the work. Mm -hmm. Now, I will tell you that I have stolen that from some different concepts that I've seen. And then I look at it and I go, there's so many different principles that you can apply to how safety works, just depending on you know what the mentality is. So the ones that I always kind of take a look at it and I always try to, to have conversations with people to see where they're at as I go, what if you took a look at these five principles and how did, would you feel about it? What if I told you that the first one would be based that error is normal and that your best employee is probably the employee that actually does, has the most issues, but knows how to cover it better. And I mean that in a very good way because they just, they're a little bit more resilient. They've done it from more frequently. Also the bling fixes nothing. I mean, we kind of always get that emotional shift of, Hey, if I point this out and say, Hey, you're to blame for this occurring. Well, we get it out of our system, but it doesn't correct anything inside right. of your location. The other thing is that your system drives the behavior. So depending on what's going on inside of the system, that's how people are going to react, especially depending on how the management or leadership staff Absolutely. is working there. Then the other portion is that based on those things that are occurring, it's vital how we learn from there. I think it's so important that we tend to forget on how important learning is in regards to what's going on and how we respond as leadership inside of an organization is a crucial factor if anybody's going to share anything with you. And I look at those five principles and I go, hey, that's a mentality and a philosophy. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's definitely not a program. I can't tell you, hey, this is a root cause. But I think that people will be a little bit, will be a little bit more open to you in regards of having those conversations. So that's why I always, when I look at a new system or something that's coming up, mm -hmm. I kind of challenge it with those five items. And believe me, by no, by no means by saying what you're doing is incorrect. I'm very in, intrigued by it. I mean, the videos that you have on your website are pretty interesting. But I look at it and I go, what is the basis of it? Because I always kind of find it interesting on where you can build from. Mm -hmm. And I always look at this is always evolving. It's not one of those things that safety stagnant. I think the safety, safety was a little bit stagnant for a period of time. But we kind of learned so much from the people that were there 
before that it's kind of it's ever changing if you allow it to be and i just get very hung up on the safety first concept as you can see as i've I've ranted for the last three minutes (laughs) (laughs) i mean i feel you i totally understand because me personally when i say when i hear safety first again it is a it is a um i feel like it's a, a truth to a degree you know where it's like um anything that we do it is intending to be secure and have peace of mind even if it's from financial security it's it's still a a safety net of sorts where everything that you do even from your vacations that you go on if you're going to go there you only go there because you feel like it is a place where you can actually be and or somewhere you feel comfortable at you know uh when, whenever you're um, in a relationship, is hey, do I feel safe with this person? Do I feel, and so when in my mind, when I'm thinking of safety first, I'm like, hey, this is a 360 um, all encompassing concept where it's beyond just the workplace. But how and how can we make people understand and get it out of this? mindset of policy procedure eight hours a day type of thing but understanding that what i do impacts other people and am i taking into consideration all of those things when i perform whatever activity i decide to perform when i decide not to put on my seatbelt, who is that effect and it's like the ripple effect or the butterfly effect or whatever you want to call it everything kind of contributes and i feel like um within the activities that we do at least i guess an american lifestyle is based on safety it's like in the fabric of of everything that we do and we and it is so much and we have so much that we you know um sometimes take it for granted like in america if you hear a a plane flying overhead you just expect it's an airport or you live by a naval base but if you are in another country they're afraid there's bombs have come in to follow, you know? And so our, our environments and the things that we are just involved with in life in general, I feel like safety has a leg in it all. So not, not safety first as a, um, a first step in, into zero accidents type of thing uh, for me, but a, a thought that we need to definitely recognize is um, relevant in our everyday life. Now, as you're inside of the space now more and more frequently, because it sounds like being as you're saying that you've been doing this since 2012. So we're talking about seven years in. Are you seeing the shift? Are you seeing where people are in companies and organizations are putting a priority on the safety of, of people inside of the org? Yes, I see pockets of excellence where there are some people who are excelling and it goes back to what you're saying, where is that it depends on that leadership, like your actions speak so much louder than your words do, where are you telling me do this, do that and the other. However, um, are you if, if, if safety is first, like we talking about with that, if safety is first, are you willing to lose money for it? Are you willing to, um, you know, because you're going to. You're going to lose money one way or the other. You're going to either, um, or I won't say lose money, but it's going to cost one way or the other. It's going to cost you to actually 
invest in making sure that the environment is better or it's going to cost you for not doing it later on when you're paying out workman's comp and different things like that. It's, 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 there is a cost to it no matter what. But I have seen changes, but those areas that are changing are in the areas where the leadership hold people accountable to, um, hey, this is what we say we're going to do. Why are you not doing that? Or um, who who is who is responsible for us? Not necessarily even who is responsible, but why are we not doing uh, what we all know we're supposed to do? Here's here's what we're trying to accomplish. And in my area, we've been we this is a pretty intense um, environment uh, building aircraft carriers. But um, we've been in this year. We haven't had an accident this year in my location. Um, but again, that's amongst 20,000 employees and we may be a pocket of, of hundred or two or something like that. Um, but there's so many different leaders within that large number and so many different messages being conveyed through the actions that, I mean, I've been able to go and talk to people and talk to different groups and different organizations. But if I come to a group and I say, Hey guys, Hey, this is what I'm talking about. Hey, safety man moving, blah, 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 blah. But then they don't get support to to do what the goal is or you, you, you're not giving, um, you're not following up with this. My presentation isn't the answer. It is just, it's like a, or the message isn't the answer. It's just, it's just something to support what you have to already be sold on doing. So we have some areas that are doing fantastic, but then there are some areas that still suffering, but still have the same rules until it comes down to that small pocket of who that specific leadership is or and who's holding that leader accountable and who's holding that leader accountable. I feel like there's always a, a pressure point. So we, you have the president at the top who's says, hey, we're totally sold in this company on safety. But then it comes down, it goes down to the next level, then the next level down. And at some point, there is a level of pressure where somebody has to do either make a decision to be safe or meet the goals of this cost schedule type of thing. And that pressure, that pressure point um, makes a compromise, but it never gets communicated up to the top that, hey, this is a pressure point. It just reflects on everyone who follows that everyone downstream of that gets affected because now we're not doing what we're supposed to do but it was never communicated up so then the president is still like man we're why are we doing accidents I, i'm sold on safety they say it comes from the top and goes down but we never recognize where is that point where somebody is being forced to compromise um, the well-being of the people or safety for something else that is getting in the way so there's places well, I, 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 I think i can answer that for you because i almost feel that that's the, where the placement of the middle management mm -hmm. they're between this they're between the c-suite and the employee or the c-suite and the field level people and they have to make a determination on what's going to be the priority if it's production or if it's actual safety right. i think that the middle management is almost the person that you're talking about there yeah and it seems like there's a suffering if they don't <laughs> go um to one way or the other where i don't know it's like they have to 
they have to be willing to they or either they put in a position where they feel like they have to either be willing to sacrifice my bonus sacrifice my whatever um my, my numbers or whatever to accomplish these impossible getting blood from a turnip type of expectations and there has to be a conversation there there has to be not just conversation but there has to be some type of recognition and um, action to take in place to um, relieve those pressure points and for companies to get a reality check of where they are um, <laughs> we, we say we want to be full safety this that and the other but in reality you you can't do what you say you're going to do and do it safely within that time frame and so i feel like that's where a compromise comes in say hey i can do this job for a thousand dollars but you can't there's no way for you to do it for a thousand dollars safely but you're not going to change that price and say you know i'm, I'm going to lose this contract because i want to keep the people safe because again it's it's business and relationship but oftentimes that business gets the upper hand over the relationship with the people and the caring for the people. No, absolutely. Now, Terry, I did notice that you recently were at the VPPA conference and that was open to the public um, in regards of you being able to do your speech. Now, do you have anything coming up in the near future where the audience might be able to come and see you? Uh, yes. At the end of this month, I will actually be at the um, Carolina Star Safety Conference in Greensboro, North Carolina which is through the 25th through the 27th um, at the, I guess it's the Four Seasons. I don't remember the real name of the conference center. Maybe I can pull it up, but um, yeah, that'll look up Carolina Star Safety. Um, you can Google that and it should tell you more information um, about that location. Or you can go on my website. I also got a link up there. Okay, and what is your website? Let me kind of go back this way. If people want to know more information about you, where would they need to go? Uh, www.terrygrayspeaks.com or if you're on Facebook, just go to facebook.com forward slash Terry Gray Speaks or even on Instagram as well, Terry Gray Speaks. Uh, communicate through those avenues. Connect with me anyways. Use um I have a chat on my actual website sometimes that if you, you chat, I can respond right back to you when I'm available or just send me an email um, um, to safetyman at terrygrayspeaks.com and I'll get back to you um, as soon as I can. Well, Terry, I appreciate you coming on to Safety FM. I appreciate you having me. I hope I answered all your questions like you, you wanted me to. <laughs> The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. Safety FM. Safety FM. 
So do you feel like you're missing out on what everyone is starting to do now, that live streaming thing, and you don't know where to start or what to do? I have the resource and the information to provide to you in regards on how you can stream onto 40 social media platforms all at one time. Yes, that's 440 social media platforms all at one time. All you'll need to do is go to safetyfm.com forward slash one. That's safetyfm.com forward slash one. That's O-N-E. So just in case, and you'll be able to start live streaming just like you're hearing people starting to do right now up to 40 social media platforms.